block. It's fake democracy. We're going up the wrong way. We're going to have to stop. Critics of a secret wars. They can't expose them all. We're going up the wrong way. We're going to have to stop. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Cakewalk, the breakfast podcast that doesn't mind being told what to do by a crowd. My name's Steve Bullock. I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, and I'm here with my colleague, Half Kraut. Kraut! Don't <laughs> call me a Half Kraut. Don't give me sell me short. I'm a Kraut! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Kraut, Chris Kendall, EU negotiator, Eurocrat, uh, and fully Kraut. <laughs> fully Kraut. Chris well, got the full to, According to my personnel file, at least I'm now the full crowd. Yeah. For administrative purposes. For administrative purposes, but here in a strictly personal capacity, though. And uh, this week we have a very special guest who is a very good friend of mine. Uh, we have... I'm Nicola James. Nikki. Um, I'm only uh, an bissing crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of uncrowd. Yeah, uncrowd. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I am the uh, chairman of uh, the Final Say for All Foundation and uh, a colleague and very good friend of Steve's and Chris's, I hope. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Although mo- most people don't know you as Nicola James, though. No, they don't. They know me as, uh, most of them know me as Bloke from Barnsley on Twitter. Excellent. Not and, a bloke, uh, but you are from Barnsley. I'm, I'm, I'm from just outside Barnsley, a little bit further south. Um, I think about 200 miles south, I'm not quite sure. Um, just on the outskirts, yeah. Hence the strong Barnsley accent. Yes, yeah, I've really picked it up, yeah. Yeah. You just can't shake it, can you? No, no. You could date the bloke out of Barnsley, but yeah, no, it's just not possible. And uh, we'll be talking with Nikki later about the Rally for Our Rights, which is taking place this Saturday at two o'clock in London. Uh, more of which later. But London. first, have we got any... What? No, sorry, London, that's just on the outskirts of Barnsley. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, you know, you know if you've got, you're on the north of the Ring Road and there's that sort of industrial estate bit, well, just on the other side of that, that's London. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, shall we do some follow-up first? Um, yes, that's a good idea, absolutely. Because... Um, we had a lot of feedback from our podcast last week. Um, it was a classic, I thought. I really enjoyed doing it. It was um, old school. Old school <laughs> Stephen with, Chris. With a, with a K. With a K. Um, us. I'm, not sure we're quite, I'm not sure we're quite at the stage of being able to call things classics or not. You know, you've got like, you know... It's episode 62, Led, Steve. Led, Led Come Led, on. We've got like, you know, you've got like, you know, Led Zeppelin 2, you know, Are You Experienced... Uh, blonde on blonde, you know. <laughs> I've only and heard then, of one of those and then, two. And then, one episode of those. 62, and then episode 62 of Cakewatch. You know, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure we count as classic, audio classics yet. Well, I think, you know, Brexit has stopped you, Will. Yeah. Yeah, we'll release, we'll release a Greatest Hits album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once Brexit stopped, nobody will have the faintest interest in this ever again. <laughs> we'll donate it to the British Library or something. Yeah. <laughs> For them to delete. <laughs> um, but no, it, 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 I think it, it, the conversation that we had last week, 
I think touched a nerve and and, and came at the right moment for the conversation that was happening more yeah. broadly in, in in the UK, also in the press and so on. And there were some quite interesting articles over the weekend that um, also touched on the same themes that we had been talking about, which is, um, you know, in Brussels, there's serious Brexit fatigue. People just want Brexit done. Um, we need to watch out because <laughs> Brussels is, is, is keen to move on here. Yeah. Um, and you've got some interesting alternative takes. Uh, for example, Tim Shipman um, commenting on some of the commentary. I had a, an exchange with him on Twitter where um, he, it was still falling. He is still falling into this classic uh, Westminster Whitehall bubble trap of thinking that Brussels is playing the same game that London's playing. Yeah. They're also playing. It hasn't been all along. Yeah. It, it never has been. No, it never has yeah. been. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback on him, uh, rightly, I think, from all sorts, especially from a number of Irish commentators. I mean, um, uh, Senator Neil Richmond, for example, mm, their Brexit yeah. lead, also pushed back on him, saying, you really don't, you still don't get Brussels, do you? You still don't get the EU and how, how this is going down in other capitals. And the EU simply is not playing that kind of game. And think about it. Uh, do do we seriously think that EU leaders are sitting there playing this game of trying to guess what's going to happen with the GNU and, what's, and, and where Johnson's going to go next and what kind of tactics Cummings is going to pull out of his arse next and so on? No, of course not. Of course no. not. You know, they're dealing with the people who are there. They might want other people to be there, but they're not there. So you deal with the people that are there and you build, uh, you, you build contingency um, scenarios and you act... In, in a joined-up, sensible, practical way, bringing your stakeholders along with you, which is, a, um, you know, let's face it, 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 it's a task akin to herding cats. So the yeah. notion that all of this is being done on the fly in some kind of massive gaming scenario, you know, so that you can sort of outfox and, uh, the poker hand being played by Dominic Cummings, it's, it's ridiculous. The yeah, there is no, there is no what's... There isn't an EU twenty seven WhatsApp group where people are where, where people are people are, you know, pissed on a Friday night going, I reckon that Cummings comes gonna got something up his sleeve actually. You know, that's not what's going on here. In fact, Stefan Stefan Durang um tweeted, I think today or or yesterday, you know, do you think that we negotiate based on things that are based on things that are completely out of our control? Of course we don't. And it's true, nobody does. Yes, you plan contingencies for different, you know, you game it and you look at what the possible different outcomes are and you plan contingencies for, for each of them. But you don't, you don't, you're not banking on what you want to happen happening. But this yeah. has been the whole thing all along, is it? You know, it's all been done more in, more in hope than, uh, than belief that it'll actually, that it'll actually, that anything will actually, actually go our way. You know, the, the, the picture, the, <clears throat> All of the pictures from the UK have always been completely unrealistic, yeah. and yeah, entirely as if a, 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 a different game is being played. The UK has been playing been playing drafts while while the, the EU's playing chess. You know, yeah, yeah. And there was a, there was a superb article in the Guardian today by um, a King's College professor of history, whose name it was Edgington. I'm, I'm terrible. Um, I, I should look it up quickly, but um, it was a really really good piece where he um, 
what he said, look, um, this crisis is about the fact that the UK is lying to itself. Yeah. The UK needs to go through this crisis in order to see the reality. This, this is all about the reality of the UK's place in the world and the modern Conservative Party and the modern economy being revealed finally to these people who've been living in a fantasy world. Um, and so it's something that has to happen. I, th- I mean, which I think is, I mean, this is a theme that we've t- spoken about, um, mm. you know, for mm. the last 62 episodes. But um, it was a really, really good piece. I'll, I'll, I'll pop the link into the episode. Oh, notes. do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good idea. No, absolutely. And the this unwillingness to face reality has, has just, that it comes from, you know, the, the, you're talking about the need to do that, and it comes from the need to do that. This is fed into the UK approach, UK approach to this all along. Um, somebody asked a very good question uh, the other day, which were, I saw, which, which was why, if uh, if Ireland's so against Ireland and the EU are so against a hard border, why would they allow no deal, which means a hard border, to happen? Mm. And somebody responded absolutely perfectly. I think it's Tim uh, Tim. O- Connor, I think, um, mm-hmm. responded absolutely perfectly that <clears throat> those two outcomes both bring a hard border, mm. but one of them brings Ireland signing up to a hard border and mm. legitimising a hard border and a hard border becoming becoming permanent, you know? Where in London, they'd be going, well, we won't put up, mm. we, you know, we won't put it up, you'll have, you'll have to put it up, it'll be your fault, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Nobody's thinking about nobody's thinking about those considerations yeah. about who's who That's blames not relevant. Yeah. No, it's the not. Blame- it's just not relevant. It's not relevant. We're, yeah. we're not. You know, we're not going to make an agreement that puts a hard border in and legitimises it. Well, not only that, but also um, in in those two outcomes, you have a hard border in both of those outcomes. But in one of those outcomes, you also have the um, uh, the potential disintegration of the single market, and um, there are certain things yeah. that the EU is not going to allow to happen. You know, it's, you're not going to sell out, um, you're, not going to, you're not going to agree to a deal which crosses EU red lines on the single market simply for the sake of a deal. So on the EU side, it is definitely true that no deal is better than a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. That, and that's been clear all along, so it's never been posturing. But, you know, the thing about Tim Shipman and people is that they think that this is just posturing. They think that the EU is playing the same <sighs> game. And that they are expecting any second um, the UK to cave in totally uh, or a Remainer government suddenly to come in and, 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 or a referendum suddenly to happen. The UK is going to be remaining and, hey, we won. That's not the game that they're playing. No. They're assuming and, and, the UK is leaving. They're assuming the UK is leaving on the 31st of October without a deal. That's what they're assuming. That's what they're... But, that, you know, I, I, have a, I have a series on, twi- series on Twitter of... Um, I think, yeah, it is in a, even in a Twitter moment now, whatever that is, of the series of um, uh, UK shock of foreigner confirms that what they previously yeah. said was true was true. Yeah. And this is completely it. The, the, there's been this assumption absolutely all along that the EU's just bluffing, the EU's just posturing. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a projection of what our government has been doing. So because they have been simply posturing, because they have just been playing to the gallery at home, they assume that their opponent is doing the same. Or in fact, they're not not doing it. They've stated their position um, at the very beginning. 
the UK ag- agreed to the position in the uh, that, in the, in that uh, the inter- interim agreement on on the border that the UK the UK signed up to. You know the objectives yeah. of the backstop yeah. um, in the summer, um, and then they've agreed to it in the in the in the withdrawal agreement. Yeah. It's not it's not po- it's it's just not posturing, and this assumption that it's posturing all along is a total is a total projection. And, that, and that's the way, been the way that the UK has approached the EU for, for years, well before Brexit. They've always assumed yeah. that everybody else also sees it as some kind of transactional willy-waving contest between the nation, between member states, which, is, yeah. which, yeah. which Nikki, I'm sure you would agree, is not the case. Of course it's not the case. <laughs> I, it, it, it baffles, the thing that baffles me throughout this is, and, uh, well, uh, well, both of you will know, this, this assumption that they're having these conversations day in, day out, in almost every political programme there is, about things like, well, we have to keep no deal on the table, otherwise we won't get a good deal. Well, the fact you're talking about that in public and they're reporting on that mm. sort of thing in the Netherlands, mm. is, is, <laughs> <do they> not, <laughs> it's a completely pointless, empty, ridiculous... Mm. It, makes, it, it simply makes us look like complete... And, Idiots. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was going to go with a swear word then, but I just stopped myself. You're allowed to swear um, on this podcast. It's it's not. Yeah, it's, you're entirely allowed to swear. Yeah, it's well, almost mandatory. Okay, it makes us look like twats, and that really, really, really angers me because we because it's such a, a, a colossal waste of time and goodwill, but time more than anything yeah. else. Why are we Why are we doing this? It, yeah. It's if if we're going to if if the intention is to leave this this wasn't the way to do it no. ever. Yeah. Did you see? Did you see Donald Tusk's tweet to, to Boris Johnson that he doesn't want to deal? He, 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 it was incredible. He said, um, "What is it?" He said, "You're wasting time on this bloody stupid or what is it a stupid blame game?" He didn't say bloody, but yeah. he might as well have. He said, stu- he said "I mean, it's still pretty." Yeah. I mean, for for a flipping you know European Council president, yeah, and it was it was brilliant. It was absolutely perfect. It was it was pitch perfect. It was. Stop wasting time on this stupid bloody blame game. Grow up, grow a pair, and focus on the important things here because real lives are at risk. But so much, so much of this has been from, <clears throat> and not just from the government party, has been about positioning for post Brexit, though. Yeah. You know, and we're seeing it now with the standoff between the Lib Dems and Labour. This is about a general election. It's not about Brexit. It's not a, stand- not a standoff about that at all. It's about a general election. It's and been it's- about a general election for three years. But and, that, three and, years. It, and the same goes for and the same goes for the government as well. And and you know, I mean, if we if this a year ago there was still zero chance of a referendum or of Brexit not happening. Virtually vir- sorry, obviously not zero. Virtually zero. Very, very low chance. Mm. Now we're in a position where there is a pretty good chance of it not happening, and a good chance of a, a good chance of, of of a referendum being the route, mm. the route to it, the route to it not happening. Mm. <clears throat> and if the parties miss this mm. opportunity, as a result of positioning over who gets to fucking pick up the pieces of it, yeah. um, they'll be they'll be they'll all lose. They'll all lose yeah. as, a, as, a, as a as a as a result of this. Yes. But, the, the, the incredible, the incredible irony that all of these various factions in British politics are playing the post-Brexit game, 
when none of them are looking at the post-Brexit context. None of them are looking at where we would be the day after no deal. I mean, yeah. you know, certainly not the Tories are. They're not, no, they're not looking no. at what's going to happen the morning after we wake up outside the EU and what immediately has to happen, which is that we immediately need to go to Brussels and cobble together some kind of emergency deal to save our, you know, save, save our flipping souls. Well, I don't think they're thinking about what happens if we remain either. Well, they're no, not thinking about anything except the election, as you say. Yeah. They're also not thinking about they can, they can play this blame game as much as they like. But I've heard people do this very recently, and um, it's this thing that if there is an issue, then the government has to sort it. They have to sort it out, the government. I, I would say the majority of people will not, if we leave with no deal and it's a catastrophe, they will not be standing there saying, oh, the EU, those terrible people. They yeah. will be angry at their own government that they're in that they will expect them to sort it out. They will not expect the EU to sort it out. The blame game will backfire because they will look yeah. to the nearest people responsible and that is a government. Yeah. Even yeah, even if they blame the EU for it having yeah. happened, they'll blame yeah. the government for it not being fixed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. The, the, yeah, the, they have to do something. I think you're right. Yeah. I yeah, think that's true. So it's a completely pointless, ridiculous, self centered, selfish, nasty, narcissistic attitude. There you go. So, so <laughs> but tell us what you really think. The title of the, I think we've got the title of the podcast there. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Um, so, so I, it, it's been an interesting couple of days. When have we not been able to say that in the last three years? But it's been an interesting couple of days where you've really seen the temperature uh, mount, and 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 I think that tempers. And it's almost as if it's deliberate, a, a deliberate attempt to get to get the EU to flounce out, which, it's, of course, it's not going to do. But um, certainly you've seen some much more emphatic, undiplomatic language coming from the EU side who really are fucking fed up with this. I'm sorry to say are, yeah. really fucking I mean, like, fed up. Last week, well, I think last week they were fed up. I think this week they're <laughs> fucking furious, actually. I mean, really yeah. fucking fed up of it. And, and that makes me slightly nervous about... I still think that an extension would be on the table next week. I suspect, you know, but I really think that it's kind of through gritted teeth. I think there's a very, very strong feeling here that they would, they want this to be over at the end of the month. I mean, we've already talked about this, so we don't need to go on about it. But in that context, you know, there were some rumours or, or reports today of uh, uh, the EU potentially... Um, making some kind of interesting offer on the basis of the Johnson air quotes deal, whereby you might have a double lock and storm on for potentially leaving the customs union at an unspecified date. I mean, quite interesting. When you look at the details, I mean, there are no details because it's not on the table, but I mean, it, it, what was being discussed is potentially actually not that different to the original um, yeah. to the original withdrawal agreement before the backstop. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, in which case, it sort of makes a lot of sense. But it, you can see it sort of, if that does materialise, if Johnson were tempted to grab that and try and repackage it as like, look, we got a deal, um, I think that there would be plenty of people on the EU side who would be delighted to... So, yeah, so that that's why I wouldn't be... 
But I still, I still would be quite surprised. I mean, there are still some obstacles to overcome, such as the DUP. But I don't know. We're looking at the parliamentary maths. Do the DUP even matter anymore? I don't know. But I, w- I wouldn't be amazingly surprised if my lo- long shot prediction were actually um, accurate. Insofar as we find ourselves looking at a potential uh, resurrection of a repackaged May deal with a Northern Ireland only backstop, um, <clears throat> and you know, who knows? But anyway, we, we shall see. What, what I was quite surprised at is that there wasn't a serious push for um, for, time, for for it being time limited. And I think, well, I mean, I, I've always I've always worked on the assumption that Johnson doesn't actually want a deal. He wants someone to blame for blame for not getting a deal. Um, and I suspect that may be one of the reasons he ruled out a time limited backstop absolutely emphatically, really quite quite early on. But you can have imagined some sort of you know jointly renewable time limit. Um, but then, of course, the problem with the time limit was always a, a, a time limit that the EU would want, say 10 years, uh, would be meaningless to the UK government. And the kind of time limit the UK would want, which would be two years or three years, would be would be meaningless to the to the EU. So I guess that was always a problem. So, But yeah, I mean, you can see that, especially now that essentially the government is relying on Labour dealers rather than the DUP. To come through for them, um, maybe uh, maybe that maybe that can come back. Maybe a Northern Ireland backstop can come back. I, I think I think it could, and I think Johnson actually doesn't give a shit. I think Johnson doesn't care. I don't think Johnson thinks about the details. I think Cummings doesn't want a deal. So if Cummings is winning the um, the argument inside Number Ten, which it seems to be, um, but who, what do we know? Then that's where we're going to end up. But actually, I don't think Johnson. Has particularly, I don't think he particularly cares. I th- I have this theory about Cummings that he's only that his main motivation is winning. So his his loyalty is up for sale. It's you can hire him and he will work for you. And it's about it's simply for the win, and not because he's uh, ideologically mm. uh, convinced of leaving without a deal. And um, that's 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 how I I he's an extremely um, well back to sort of personality things, but I, I I think he is motivated by his ego by other classic things. classic narcissist yes classic yeah. 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 classic yeah. Dom well yeah. classic Dom but the um, <laughs> yeah. There's also a theory that, that, that pops its head up occasionally that Cummings is um, is actually destroy is actually out to destroy the Tory Party. And that his objective generally is just chaos. You know, he's got this massive Maoist streak. Just destroy, destroy yeah. everything and rebuild it. That seems actually, to me to be more realistic. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah. actually, yeah. And actually, his underlying thing here is to to destroy the Tory Party and the two, and the two party system and everything. Which is again um, a classic narcissist approach. That's a classic. Yeah. Not you know, classic narcissism is. Well, um, I, this, everything's awful, and I'm going to clean out the orgy and stables by wrecking it all and building it all up from scratch. And uh, sorry, I heard that as clear out the orgy and stables. <laughs> and I was thinking we're back, we're back to we're back to Johnson and, and <laughs> this is like going with his IT specialist to his country retreat now, aren't we? <laughs> this, is, this is a bit like last time I saw him. We had. Um... Uh, oh, Damien Green and, and the hill he was willing to die on and a uh, line of tissues in the sand. And it's all gone 
<laughs> oh, that's a classic from the past. There you go. There's another Kate Watch okay, greatest that, hit. Okay, that might qualify as a classic. Okay, I'll just do that. <laughs> so this weekend is Rally for Our Rights, which is uh, 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 a rally protest that uh, me and Nikki have been involved in putting together. Uh, Final Safe Roll have been the, the lead organiser, but we've had massive, massive amounts of support from a multitude of different different organisations uh, on this. Yeah, I think, I, think we, I think we need to give a shout out to Voices for Europe. Um, and Absolutely. Emmy, who have, uh, especially Anne, has done an awful amount as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, they've been absolutely great. And we've been supported by uh, a, a large number of groups. There are 14 of us in total who have collaborated to uh, to do this. Oh, shit. I think I put 15 in the press release. Never mind. Oh, it might be, actually. <laughs> it, it, it could well be 15. <laughs> um, and I've lost count. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been it's been quite a lot of work because we didn't. We didn't do this the standard way, did we, Steve? That we sort of sat in our seats in the back room and decided we'll organise this, got it all set up, and then just presented this this product uh, to the world. No, we did it the wrong way around. We announced yeah. it first and then went, oh, fuck, how do we yeah. go about organising yeah. a product? Now, now I'm going to put it together, yeah. Um, so... So do you, want to talk, do you want to talk about how it came about, Nikki? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It actually it came about in a DM group uh, one night actually isn't it oh, no, it's our, it's our, uh, so um uh, we are steve and i are colleagues in uh, final safe rules steve is uh, he would be um uh, a board fellow board member if we ever actually got the paperwork sorted out so we were having our weekly team meeting uh, which is at nine o'clock on a monday every monday and um that monday evening p or late afternoon pv People's vote announced that the date of their march was moved was being postponed by week from the 12th to the 19th, and I replied to one of their tweets and said, "This is going to be really difficult for a lot of people who have already booked travel," mm-hmm. and I got absolutely swamped with notifications from people that that affected, and I got a lot of DMs. People were really really upset, and. Um, Twitter exploded a little bit and I went into the meeting and said I think we need to try and do something because these people are there, there are people who cannot move they cannot afford to change their travel mm-hmm. yep. and they, they're stuck they're stuck with the 12 and so we had a very long meeting um lasted three and a half hours and we came out of the meeting with this idea that we were going to do something and we put together um, a little DM group very quickly. Um, Shira, Marley, Throopwood helped us. Mm-hmm. And she was on board right from that evening. Shira and I worked through the night to get the graphics done, the accounts set up. Um, a website yeah, built. Website built. And um, yeah, and we went from there. So, and it was never, it was never ever the intention to um, compete with anybody else or, or um, no, no, take away from what we what we initially intended was that it would just be for people who couldn't make the march but it seemed to resonate with people so now we have a lot of people who are uh, are going to both events yeah and, and we uh, should say i mean if you're only going to go to one go to the yeah. one on the, go to the big yeah. one on the 19th because yeah. that's where the numbers really really count yeah. you know yeah um and also i mean lots of people were grumpy about uh, people's vote for moving it 
Yeah. And I have to say, yet again, it has worked out perfectly because mm. Parliament will be sitting on, on the, the 19th. 19th. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there'll be a million people outside. So how's oh, that going to work? Between half a million and a million people outside Parliament mm. that day. So, um, so actually, it's fallen. It's fallen absolutely, mm. absolutely perfectly. Yeah. So when we, so when when we decided we were going to do it, we we went through what what we could do because we didn't want it to be um, the same as the big one, but smaller because that's mm. pointless. Yeah. It, we yeah. we just thought that was absolutely. Well, we didn't think there was any particular added value. And at that point, all you're really doing is giving someone who giving people who've got travel plans something to do. You're not really using the opportunity to yeah. to, to 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 have any added impact. And this is how we this is how we got round to the to the, uh, to it being rally for our rights because um, obviously final say for all started out as uh, as a group uh, campaigning for to give voices to those who uh, weren't allowed to vote in the uh, in the referendum. But whose lives were being massively affected. So the EU citizens in the UK and UK citizens in the in the EU. But but and obviously we, there are lots of uh, rights organisations and 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 so on campaigning campaigning on this. But what seems to be missing is the idea that UK citizens are having their rights taken away from them, and UK citizens are are um, have have rights that are massively put at risk by by Brexit. Yeah. Um, that's something that I, I have a, a, a friend who has been saying this for quite a while that nobody is focusing on rights and um, we have gone through this process of the situation getting worse um, the assurances sounding more and more hollow especially as we know this government lies constantly yeah. um, why would we trust that it's going to be okay for any of us Um and there are rights that can be removed once we leave. It's very, I'm going to use a nice word. It, the rights are precarious. Yeah. They are at risk. So, so they might still be there after we leave. They probably will be. But it just it would take just it would just take the wrong government getting a majority in uh, in House of Column, uh, Commons and and removing some fundamental rights that people have workers' rights. Um, uh, the, the even I, I met a lovely woman um, at, at uh, Sodom one day, and um, she was telling me about how she, her and her partner have adopted children, and how the fact that their family is based on the rights that are that have a foundation. Yeah. Uh, in an EU treaty, so it so she's absolutely petrified that without without them being guaranteed by the EU, that could change in the future. And it's the guarantee that's important. So on, on the one hand, you have rights like freedom of movement and yeah. the rights of EU citizens in the UK and UK citizens in the EU that are going to be lost. Yeah. They, I mean, those are lost yeah. uh, instantly. And, and freedom of movement is right everybody mm. everybody has, uh, whether or not they, uh, they think it's important or, or want to use it. If they ever do want to use it in the future, they're not going to be able to because it's going to be gone. So their rights that have gone automatically as a result of Brexit, but it's the guarantee of rights that the guarantee of rights that EU membership brings that's really really important here. So you have things like the right to equal treatment, uh, you have all of the rights that come with workers' rights, you have consumer rights, um, you have uh, the the rights that go along with having a uh, having a clean and safe environment. You have safety at work as, as well. You have endless rights which 
although it's in UK legislation, it's in UK legislation that's, impl I, that's either implementing or in line with EU legislation and the EU, EU treaties. And once this is gone, it becomes, it becomes entirely contingent. And the best analogy I've, I've, I've had, I've, I've thought, thought about really, is the idea of a backup. You know, in IT, they say that if you don't have at least two backups on at least two locations, then the data effectively doesn't exist. Yeah, because, redundancy. Mm. Yeah, because one one catastrophe wipes out wipes out your data instantly, mm. and that's what that's what EU membership is. Yeah. Um, EU membership is towards rights for people in the people in the UK. Yeah. It's the guarantee of it, and without a right, without the EU membership guaranteeing it, unguaranteed rights effectively aren't rights. They're just the laws that happen to be in place at any given point. They're not enshrined in any way because we don't have a constitution that enshrines rights in the way that in the way that lots of other not rights like this at least in the way that lots of other countries do. I mean, Jessica Seymour, the QC, uh, who's very brilliant um, and is speaking at the rally, mm. um, said Brexit is the biggest removal of rights and freedoms ever by a liberal democracy, and it bodes ill for the continuation of liberal democracy in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I keep using this expression that, and I don't know if it really works, but it's, it's has it. That if they're not, if if they're not rights, they're favours. Mm. So that means we only have them by the grace of of somebody allowing yeah, us to have them. Yeah. It's a privilege that can be taken it, away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, which is fundamentally different to a right. I mean, that's the whole. It, yes, exactly. Yeah. Precisely. So, so I. Um, <laughs> I, my great-grandmother got um, uh, an MBE for her services for um, campaigning on behalf of the Conservative Party. And, uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, well, whoop-de-doo, might I say. <laughs> and um, so I keep being told her she'd be really proud of you for, for uh, campaigning for what you believe in, because she did. But what I find fascinating is that for some of the time, at least, that she was doing that, she didn't have a right to vote. Mm. Of course, I don't have a right to vote mm. now, so there's some parallel. Mm. But but she, but it, yeah. it, 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 in a lot of ways, very different because there are a lot of other rights that didn't exist at that time that now do exist, and they yeah. could go back over and they cease to exist again. Yeah. It's it is a it's a very very slippery slope that we yeah, are. It yeah, it really it really is, and. There's this um, there's this weird approach to rights in the UK. You know, in 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 normal culture, rights are something that people are pretty hostile towards because people think rights are about prisoners getting the vote or getting TVs in their rooms or about uh, people accused of terrorism not being allowed to be locked up for longer than a certain amount of time. Um, you know, they think that rights are things that are for other people, mm. or they think that their rights are for <clears throat> rights are for gay people, or yeah, or, yeah. or rights are for women. You know, um, but we they think that they, they think that they're they're for other people, and when they're gone and they can't rely on them, um, anybody anybody can be fired from work unjustified in a you know uh, in a in a in an unjustified manner. So I mean, this is this is a really wider issue about that that really really impacts on everybody, and I think people just really don't realise that they do. And um, actually, someone from Human Rights Watch um, talked about the the ideological hostility to human rights yeah. from 
from the cabinet members. And, you know, people rub their hands together and say, God, it's so great. As soon as we get out of the EU, we can get rid of the Human Rights Act. This is the country that, where people were outraged about the uh, Working Time Directive. Yeah. You know, there was outrage whipped up that people might that there might be a law to stop people being ridiculously exploited yeah. and forced to work 70 hours a week, you know? No, it's astonishing the, the, the attitude that people have um, when, when they are complacent in the rights that they enjoy. I mean, just an, a small illustration of exactly what it's like to go from a position where you have rights to a position where those rights become privileges is just a, my, my own small personal illustration, which um, won't, um, be of direct relevance to many people, but it'll be of direct relevance to both of you, which is um, this week when I crossed the channel. Um, so for, for, a t for a long time now, since, since um, Theresa May's hostile environment, the, the Czechs have been getting more and more kind of aggressive. But, you know, as an EU citizen travelling within the EU, it is my right to travel between the UK and France. Okay. Yes. On Tuesday, it was on Tuesday that I was traveling this week. On Tuesday, I went through the usual um, checks and um, got to the police checkpoint because now there's a there's a UK police checkpoint on on leaving before you get to customs before you get to French border. There's a UK police checkpoint, um, and the the policeman very politely took my passport, flipped through it said, I see you've got a visa here for Azerbaijan. And I said, yeah. Um, said, can you tell me what you were doing there? I said, I was there on business. He went, and what is your business? I said, well, I work for the EU. He says, do you have proof that you work for the EU? What? And I, I so I produced my stuff, uh, my laissez-passer actually, but I said to him, may I ask why you're asking? And he very politely said, well, you see, Azerbaijan is uh, close to Afghanistan. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a second. And so therefore I need to check that you're telling me the truth. And he couldn't legally have stopped me from my journey. No, no, but it was But it was a glimpse into a very near future where he could, on, yeah. on, on a whim, yeah, yeah, stop yeah. me very from completing so, yeah. my journey because something about me had caused him to be suspicious. So what, what was he, you know, what was, I mean, it was clearly a made-up excuse because, excuse me, but Azerbaijan is not particularly close to Afghanistan. I mean, there are plenty of places that are a lot closer where people go all the time, China and India and Dubai. Yeah, but begins with I mean, it's close to Azerbaijan in the way that Spain is close to Turkey. You know, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's alphabetically, it's fairly close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just as well he didn't see my Andorra visa, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's like Belgium and Belarus. Yeah. <laughs> I always accidentally click on Belarus and drop down menus. No, but I mean, seriously, this, I mean, it, 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 I found that, honestly, kind of sinister. I really did. I, you know, because it's sort of something that for years and years and years I've done as a normal part of my life. Um, it's a matter of course, as an absolute taken for granted right, which we should all be able to take our rights for granted. And suddenly, here I am being given, you know, quite, I wouldn't say it wasn't an aggressive questioning. I mean, let's be, okay. But no. it was nevertheless, what, where are you from? What are you doing? Why did you go there? Have you got proof? Where are your papers? I'm like, wow. Well, you know, that's I, I just mean, not appropriate. I quite, I quite often get the purpose of, what's the purpose of your visit? 
thing <laughs> when I'm going through when I'm going through Eurostar, and I am like I do always think the purpose of my visit is to exercise my right as an yeah. as a UK citizen to enter the UK. <laughs> But of course, if you, and then the, yeah. the other thing is that we know that if we were to start being bullshit like that, because you always get people replying on Twitter saying, "Oh, I'd have told them to get stuff, or I'd have asked them why, or I would have yeah, yeah, told but you them to take into a little room and held up yeah. training." Don't, you, stuff, you don't yeah. want to do that when you're in a rush to get somewhere, and when you know, with your family. because you know what's yeah. going to happen. It, they will make your life miserable, and they can because they can do that within the law, and they will do it with yeah, yeah. So absolutely. you know, yeah. and I don't know. Look, it just it just made me feel uncomfortable and that so that's just a little microcosm of now not everybody crosses an international border for their for their commute um um but we've all got things that we take for granted in our daily lives which we might wake up one morning suddenly and find that they can no longer take them for granted they're privileges because people people will come back and say well, you know, of course he was doing that because you know they want to catch out criminals and terrorists, and 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 and, and you know you should be you should be thankful. You know, it's a, your privilege to be able to cross the border. No, it's not my privilege; it's my right to cross that border. Right? It's just and actually, and actually, our right to safety will be un, right to go about our business safely will be undermined by the the threat to security corporation as well. Anyway, yeah. Um, but the the some I had one 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 person responded. To, to, to a tweet I'd done about the rally saying, look, well, this not if Labour get in, you know, because Labour what Labour would want to want to guarantee all of these rights. And the conversation we had was really interesting because he's right, actually, in that respect, that for the next five years, if Labour got in, then yes, I don't think workers' rights would be would be would be under threat. I don't think equalities legislation would be under threat. Absolutely. But it's Absurd to think that a, that a single party is going to be in power for the rest of eternity, yeah. or even for the next, or even for the next fifty years, or even for the next thirty years. It's unprecedented in the UK that there would be for thirty years, even though. Um, so, and you've got to see that you know, with the polarization of politics, the way the way it is, one side, one side um, is anti-rights has been for some time and is getting more and more anti-rights and they actually have quite a decent amount of public opinion behind them on that because of this weird culture that we have of not of not valuing them um so you know yes absolutely if this all happens if it all goes wrong and it all happens absolutely vote for parties that would maintain your rights but they're not unless they're going to put a written constitution uh with with a bill of rights and a court to protect them then uh they're not then then when they leave office once again, they won't be. They still won't be guaranteed. No. And you know, and that's the that's the difference with these guarantees, guarantees of rights. They and they can be taken away on a whim. And I, I think for me, it was summed up really well when we were uh, trying to come up with um, uh, something to put on the memes. And yeah. we have one meme, which is, I think, do you eat food? Do you buy stuff? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, because it is as basic as that. And yeah. people need people really do need to understand that it touches so many aspects of your life on a really really basic everyday level. Yeah, and, um, it's not about us liberal elite and using our freedom of movement and all that rubbish. It is about basic rights that will will be at risk. In, fa- in fact, liberal the liberal elite actually seldom needs to use their rights. Yeah, the liberal elite tend to be in fake jobs. Um, and and so on, and have money to pay people to sort things out. 
um, actually, uh, it's someone being dismissed for their di- dismissed for their job from their job, who is absolutely reliant on it, who needs these who needs these rights, you know. Well, you were just um, you were just talking about Belarus, and um, you and I have both worked on on on, on Belarus, Steve, and uh, <laughs> you know there have been those cases where we would would. Um, we would remonstrate with Belarusian authorities because there would be a human, human rights activist and um, a human rights defender, and suddenly, you know, their their mother would be sacked from their job. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and she, you know, and no explanation. All the computers would all be all yeah. the computers would all be taken away in their office. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. literally, you know, but um, literally, family members losing jobs, family yeah. members losing jobs. Now, you know, labour rights. You know, in 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 a, in in a country where you've got established labour rights that can't just suddenly be repealed by the next government that comes along, that can't happen. But yeah, there exactly, are European yeah. countries still where that does happen, and um, there are so well, many ar- arbitrary arrests and arbitrary actions against people. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And yeah, no, no, very, very, very much so. I mean, we both worked on uh, with, with human rights defenders mm. in places where human rights are, are non-existent or, or, or unbelievably unbelievably shaky. Um, I think which is why this is such a, uh, such a deep issue. I mean, one of the responses always on anything to do with Brexit is, oh, it'll be fine. Mm. Yeah, we know, we know that happens in... I mean, how many times have we been told that as UK citizens living in the EU? Oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll all be fine. Well, I mean, come on, they closed Parliament... They lied to the Queen. Um, they want all, to repeal the Human Rights Act. They want to repeal, repeal the Human Rights Act. You know, this is not uh, this is not the end of some of, of some slippery slope thirty years into the future. Yeah. This is if Beginning we continue yeah. to have the kind of government we have now. Yeah. These things these things can happen. So I what, think I think it's a bit like um, <laughs> if you. Uh, if you're in an, uh, if you meet somebody and you think, oh, they're wonderful, and you start to, uh, and they do certain things, display certain behaviours, and you ignore the warning signs, yeah. and a few weeks, months down the line, you find that you are in a really bad relationship, yeah. and that's where we are. Yeah, there are exactly. all of these alarm bells, and and they've been going off for quite a while, but they are full in our face now. Yeah. That they that. That we can, they cannot be trusted, and because they cannot be trusted, we must not trust them. It will not be fine. That's the presumption we have to make. Yeah, that's and perfect they, analogy. They no, yeah. And they have no, yeah, it really is, and they have no moral limits. No, we know no. that they have no moral limits. They'll do anything. Yes. Yeah, so yes. you're stuck in an abusive relationship with a narcissist and a sociopath. Yeah, that's exactly that. You're exact. That's an exa- the perfect analogy. It's effectively what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So tell. Or stuck, or stuck in, stuck in a, stuck in a. Citizens' Rights Campaign Group was one. Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare talk about John like that. That's rude. <laughs> so what's going to? So what? So so yes. Yeah, so we thought that the we we thought this was this is why we landed on this for the mm. for the rally because this is about something about Brexit. It's not you know the rally the rally on the nineteenth will very rightly be simply against simply against Brexit. And in favour of people's vote, and so it sh- and absolutely so it so it should be. But this is to this is to try and highlight and to try and target people who don't think this stuff affects them. That's mm. the big the big thing, and also to target those MPs who 
don't think that it's a big deal. Mm. That don't think these things are a that don't think these things are a big deal, and that think these issues are just for specific groups. Mm. And of course, these issues are for specific groups. Therefore, <laughs> but once you put once you add all of the groups up, you end up with the entire population. You end up with sixty six million. There's that great hashtag sixty six million. Yeah. This is aimed at we we have we've always campaigned for the five million on behalf of five million. Add in their families, and it's a lot more. And it just grows and grows and grows. And this is for the 66 million. This mm, isn't. Yeah, absolutely. You can't separate this into various groups. We will all be affected. Some worse than others, but we will all be affected. Yeah. Mm. And so, so, yeah, so then, so we decided that it should be, we decided this also was a, very, was a really serious issue and that the people we were talking to here aren't necessarily people who, frankly, give a shit one way or another about the EU. Um, and, uh, they're people who are who are who are unaware or on the fence, and not not necessarily engaged uh, in this in a particularly emotionally emotionally deep way. Was who we were really trying to to highlight this to. How are you going to reach them? Well, um, uh, when we were planning this, our idea was to approach this in a different way. So one, we want to make it. Uh, this uh, this is a little bit contentious because there has been a lot said about our request for people to dress a certain way. It's it, not a dress. It's not a dress code. No, Can we say it's that not first. That it's not a dress code. No, it's it's a request. It's a request because. Um, in the course of our uh, uh, conversations and planning for this and talking about doing it, that uh, Steve and I um, discussed, we were discussing it, and Steve had a very clear visual, and I have to say that was a, a visual that completely resonated with me, and that is um, there's somebody that we both know called, uh, we can name him, can't we, Robert Bush. I think, um, yeah, yeah, Robert's yeah, a lovely guy. A, a woman, yeah. German um, uh, 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 friend of ours who comes to all of the marches, uh, with us, if you can, and he always dresses very smartly in a suit and tie. Mm. He is an extremely dapper yes. yeah. dresser, it has yeah. to be said. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's usually the only person wearing uh, uh, such smart clothing. But when you look at it, you think that is actually really powerful. Mm. Well, I saw, a pic- I saw a picture from the last People's Vote March that had a low, it must have had 30 people in it, and Robert was somewhere near the middle of it. Yeah. And he just instantly, the it instantly stuck out. Mm. It just, yeah. it just really, really instantly stuck out and had, an, and had an impact. Yeah. And made me go. And it, I didn't realize it was Robert. I looked at it and went, "Who's that guy?" Mm. And then I looked closer and thought, "Oh, bloody hell! Yeah, of course, Robert here or whatever." But it really had an impact on the visual. And because people aren't, because the people that we're trying to target are not, like we say, are not emotionally engaged in in EU or non-EU. Mm. Um, in the way that in the way that we are, mm. um, and the way that lots of pressers are, and um, lot uh, necessarily most most campaigners campaigners are and have an emotional connection to to this, but those are not the people that we're trying to target with mm. this message. Um, and so we thought that having everybody coming in uh, in their uh, blue and yellow t-shirts um, and uh, and so on wasn't the way to wasn't the way to go with this mm. and we wanted it we wanted it to look like the general population because the general population who were affected the other the other yeah. thing is is that of course with the proximity to the march um we felt well this this doesn't it doesn't distinguish itself at all in any uh, in any way if if it is just a carbon copy of every yeah. other uh, march we can't there's no way we'll have a million people there on saturday we know that we're realistic yeah 
Um, that we, and, ha- and having a and having a having a small marsh that looks the same is actually bad. Yeah. Yeah. It actually because it actually allows pictures of. Look at this. They've only they've only yeah. a few hundred of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only a thousand, and there's only yeah. a thousand of them, and that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. So um, we decided to, to to do this differently. We just, um, I've described it as a as a, a sort of rights um, festival mm-hmm. because um, we have uh, three locations, and we've chosen. We actually decide on this location because it is so in, um, interwoven with rights. So the yeah. Home Office, um, Europe House, so the EU Parliament Office in in the UK. And Tufton Street, and Tufton Street because, Boo. yes, well, yes, exactly. As somebody without a vote, it's very interesting that people with money are on this little street in, in, in London have more influence over my future than, than, than well, obviously than I do, because I have no vote. So they have all the influence and I have none. So that for me is a very, that's a... a and they're trying to, and, they're, and they've spent a fortune on campaigning to take yeah. away your rights, very specifically, yeah. very, yeah. very specifically. So the idea is that um, we have uh, uh, speakers at these locations and people attending can move between these points, but it is actually a static rally within that area. So yeah. it's a bit like having the various stages at Glastonbury, you know, is that cool? Well, and um, Well, we had the idea of the home office and then we looked at the map yeah. and we're like, oh my God, we're so close to these other locations. Yes. Mm. We're yeah. so close to these other locations. It, it forms a single area. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it, that was the first time that I had felt quite emotional about what we were doing. They all sort of fell into place. I thought this, is, so I thought this is what we have to do. And the dress, dressing in normal clothes. I mean, I would have loved to have said, "Please come in your work clothes, or dress as if yeah. you're going for an interview." Or that's it. But we thought that was going uh, too far, didn't we? It was going too far. So what we what we were asking people to do, if possible, is to wear just what they would wear every day. Yeah. And uh, to turn up dressed dress as they would for any other day. So that um, they don't look, and when I use the term dressing up, that's my family uses the term dressing up if they're going to put on slightly nicer clothes to go out for dinner. So my idea of dressing up is you have dressed for that Dressing occasion. up smartly, yeah. Yeah, or you've dressed for a particular occasion. So the idea is don't dress up, i.e. don't dress specifically for that occasion. Come as you would as if you were going to do something else that day. Yeah. And, um, and 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 do this. Um, so tell us, tell us about um, who who have you got lined up to to join? Um, who's coming along to speak? Right, this is where I have a bit of rally head where I've been working on this the whole time, so I should know it. And um, my mind's gone. Um, and I, I know the only name I can think of is the one name that isn't confirmed yet that I'm not allowed to mention. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen you mention a bunch of names, so I can. Right. Um, okay. So um, the, the first. Oh, okay. The first person that occurs to me because I'm I'm I'm, I'm particularly pleased that that um, uh, uh, that they are able to come. Is Naomi Smith? Yes, I was going to say. Brilliant. From Best Britain. Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. She's been extremely supportive, which has been wonderful. She really um, has. Yeah. And we've been men- and she's mentioned us on Romaniacs, which we're very 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 grateful indeed for. Yep. Yes. I heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have um, we have some uh, we have two Labour MPs. We have Catherine West and Neil Coyle. Can we speak? Um, Seb as well. Yeah, so. M- sorry, Seb. Seb dance. Uh, Seb. Seb's actually unconfirmed right now. Oh, I see. I'm he, sorry. He may have a scheduling issue. I see. But we also. But that was the first. Yeah. <laughs> But we also have uh, Julie Ward, uh, yes. Labour MEP. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Terry Ranker, 
which yeah. I'm yeah. who I'm very very excited uh, about about seeing. Yeah. Um, Tom Brick from the Lib Dems. Yeah. Uh, we have a wonderful singer Anne Clark. Uh, Aidan McQuaid, the uh, human rights professor. Yeah. Uh, which is really great that he's coming because I've followed him on Twitter forever and uh, I'm really, really glad that he's coming. Uh, we have uh, Nick Cohen, yeah. uh, who we're very, very pleased is, uh, is coming and, and actually wrote a wrote an, uh, fantastic, article, fantastic article in the uh, Observer on how we've been forced into identities uh, by, by Brexit uh, last week. Um, and as of this afternoon, Bianca mm-hmm. Jagger. Oh, Bianca's drag was confirmed. Yeah. Cool. yeah. But yeah, um, and that, sorry, that article by Nick, that was very good, wasn't it? it? It's very true. I mean, I think all of us, we're not the people that we were three years ago. I mean, I've, I've always been a, a rabid Europhile um, and, and, you know, identity means a lot to me coming from a sort of mixed parentage background. But even I, but, you know, we've all really been on a bit of a journey and, and it's not a journey we wanted to go on, is it? No, no, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. No, not. I mean, in, in think these these things in a, in an ideal world, which we used to live in, are, are shades of grey, um, and you don't have to define yourself. And and we now are in a black and white world where now I have to, I do have to define myself. I have to. My identity is X, Y, and Z, uh, and part of that identity I have to assert because it's, they're, they're trying to take it away from me. Yeah, and, and for Britain, for Britain, the EU, this whole thing that we're not fucking british enough mm. you know i mean we had never had this we I'd, I'd certainly never felt this before at all you know no. um i was british and i lived in belgium and i really like belgium and i've always thought that i would take if i stayed here in the long term i would want to take belgian citizenship because you know my son will grow up here and i would mm. like to have a citizenship of the country that that, that i live and you know uh, work in and love and has been a good host to me but i never you know i never thought that i was in any way left right less British of revealed that and you know getting the Eurostar I've always been going home and you know yeah. um and I've always felt comfortable now you know I'm not British I'm not considered British enough to be to, for my you know for my rights to be uh to, for the government to be concerned with with us uh, I guess it's like people who grew up in Yugoslavia or Czechoslovakia and then you know one day or you know or yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, Ukraine, many places. You know, people who've grown up and all of a sudden um, they're told, "Well, you know, wh- which particular bit of this entity are you from? Wh- how are you going to define yourself?" And it's 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 not something that anybody wants to have to. You introduced me at the beginning <laughs> as half kraut, <laughs> to which I object strongly because I don't want you know I don't want to half this half the way you know, this is meaningless i you know i am who i am which is a combination of all sorts of things and so yeah no it's um and so what for so what we've asked people to do when they come to speak mm. is you know that we've got these three locations and we've got broad themes for each location that you know we want people who speak of the eu office to talk about the rights that they enjoy to talk about the benefits that they gain uh from uh, from from the rights of, of, of EU membership and EU, EU citizenship, and the Home Office, the, the, because that you know, because the the guarantor of those, the Home Office, who are meant to be the administrators of our rights and are absolutely not fit for purpose uh, to do so, as we've seen with uh, with the way with Windrush and frankly the way that all immigrants are treated by the Home Office. Mm. Um, uh, we want people to talk about you know the 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 
the fears that they have and what it'll mean for their lives losing these losing these rights. And then at Tufton Street, we want to talk about the wider the wider stuff like this mm-hmm. about what this means for democracy and civil society and uh, have- and uh, and polit- and you know politics in the politics in the future. Um, so, so we have so the assortment of, of speakers that we have are, are are going to speak on those. But also, really, really important thing people know is that there are open mic slots. So we want everybody who comes who wants to go to one of the. There'll be people at each uh, at each point who'll be very obvious. They'll be wearing high vis vests and carrying clipboards, and you know, go and tell them that you want to talk, and 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 go and tell go and tell people about your experience of this. Go and tell people about your fears. About your life and how you and how you rely on uh, how you rely on these rights now, mm. um, about the effect that it'll have on your life and about your what your 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 worries for the future and the kind of society that we're that we're that we're going to have. Uh, talking of identity, we do have two, I think, very interesting speakers: um, uh, Emma D'Souza, ah, yes. for whom uh, this whole question of identity has become absolutely fundamental, and um, Carol so- Hedges who has an extremely interesting uh, 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 family history Mm. and a story to tell, and that is all intertwined with identity Mm. as well. Um, So... Yeah, Emma D'Souza, for people who don't know Emma D'Souza, is uh, the lady who have taken the British government to court because they've... uh, it's a very complex case, actually. Um, <laughs> this is the one in Northern Ireland, right? But it's because you, yeah, yeah. she's effectively mm. being forced to be British. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Whereas the uh, the, uh, Good, the Good Friday agreement. agreement allows people to identify as Irish, uh, yeah. British, or both. Yes. Um, and yet she will have different rights to an Irish to somebody who is only an Irish citizen mm. in Northern Ireland. Um, and she uh, has been fighting to be considered Irish mm. to be considered. Fully, fully Irish, and which the which the government opposed. Yes, oh, it, it's a, it's um it's another it it's part of this when we're saying about people losing rights um, immediately, and we've mentioned a lot of groups, and there's one group we haven't mentioned that is non-EU migrants, because if you have a, a spouse who come who yes. comes from originates from a different country outside the EU, then um, there is a route to which you can. Um, uh, uh, live together, and after so uh, that you can get around the hostile environment by by living in another EU state for five years. Um, that route will be closed. Yeah. And um, and let's face it, rights on rights for non-EU citizens on in the UK oh, are not going to be are not going to be levelled up. No, exactly. No, to the, to the current rights no. of the U20. Well, we know they're not. I mean, it's no. not. I'm not saying, oh, you know what this government's like. They're not going to do that. They've said they're not going to do it. In fact, it's all going. It's all Yeah, and it's all going to be leveled down. And all this talk about a point system. We have a point system, and what that point and what that point system that means is that people who live and have lived for a long time and live and work and pay vast quantities of tax and contribute to their local society in the UK are forced to go um, every 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 year for some, every few years for others through massively expensive processes where at the end of which they could get a simple no and have to leave yeah um, and this is no way for people to live and this is no way for this is no way for a country to treat people mm. who come here and uh, contribute like this yeah. and that's what and that's what 
if you'll do this to foreigners, you'll do this to your own people. This is something Nick Cohn this something Nick, Yeah, this is yeah. something Nick Cohn said in this article last weekend. He said, use the measure of how a state will treat its own people if given the chance. Yes. If you want to see that, if you yeah, if you want to see how people how a state will treat its own people if it gets the chance to, look at how they now treat foreigners. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And this is exactly it. Everything is leveling down. And EU uh, non-EU citizens in the UK who've been fighting against Brexit with us um, are absolute heroes in this because they're well within their rights to say, frankly, they're well within their rights to say, you see, we fucking told you, but you weren't really interested until it was you guys. Eh? Mm. Yeah. Because because let's be honest, that's true. Mm. That's exactly it. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly how, uh, how lots and lots of how lots and lots of people have been, and it's only once we've actually understood it, um, and we've understood much. we've understood what they've been going through all along, will now be for us. To my shame, um, I was completely ignorant of it. I had no idea. Yeah. Living, living, not living in the country, I didn't realise how bad how, how bad it was. No, absolutely. no. I mean, I, I've, I've sadly have seen how bad it is for for friends from um, Canada and the states. Actually, I mean, unbelievably awful. Um, things that have happened to you know, friends in academia coming from Canada, for example, and, and what they've had to do, the risk of being deported at the last minute and just all sorts of horrible things. And if it's like that for academics from Canada, then God help, you know, some others who, who yes. no doubt have it even a lot harder. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So this is what we've got to look forward to. And this is what, and this is what we want to get. Out. So, so we understand now. Um, yeah. And EU citizens in the UK understand now, mm. and UK citizens in the EU understand this now that we didn't understand before, mm. which we're to our eternal, and which we, we feel utterly shameful for not having understood before. Um, and now we need to get it over to the general population that this is what's coming, that's, this is what's potentially coming mm. for them without the guarantees. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, good luck. I, I, I hope you get all sorts of coverage and lots of... Um, it, you know, I hope this has lots of impacts and, and does get through to all those people because um, it's it, you know it couldn't be more important. So I really yeah no I really hope we get some coverage for it be- and also I mean for, I think it's a good opportunity for coverage for uh, I think it's a good, good opportunity to come and cover it because there'll be people from from all over there'll be people all from all over there'll be UK citizens from all over the EU there'll be UK citizens uh, EU citizens from all over from all over the UK. And people from lots of different groups. There'll be human rights people, human rights people there, um, and lots of different groups represented. And I think, it, it, you know, for anybody looking for uh, looking for the human impact and the human stories about this, I think this would be a great opportunity for for people to come and cover it. So I really hope that I really hope that people yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we because of our work, a lot of the people we know are from they they are from the five million, but we do have. We've tried to cover as many different aspects of this as we can. So we have people speaking on other aspects of this. So it isn't all about um, no, five absolutely. million. Absolutely. Um, and you've got yeah. lots of press coming? We hope so. <laughs> we hope so. I, we, we, I, was, I spent my day sending press releases to people. Mm. And, uh, got lots of nice responses uh, from uh, from 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 people and from from some really good journalists. So no, I really I really hope that I really hope that we do. Yeah, I think there would be a lot of human interest. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, well, uh, doesn't get much more human interest, does it? No, exactly, mm. exactly. And we have this we have this thing all along, you know that 
this thing that we say, just another protest. That we, you know, that what we've tried to avoid all along is this being a uh, just another protest, yeah. protest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, for 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 journals, I hope it's I hope it's really worth them coming, yeah. worth them coming covering, and I hope they'll. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll be extremely interesting people to talk to. Yeah, so. exactly, because it's not as we said before. It's not about just the mass of numbers. It's about the sort of interactive thing that people can tell the stories. They can. Um, yeah, and please, and please, if you're coming, please come and speak. Yeah. You know, please, please go and speak. It's really hard to do these things. I find public speaking really, really, really difficult. Uh, once it gets bigger than you know a meeting table, uh, then I find it really, really hard. But it's really worthwhile, and you feel really, you, you tend to feel really good after it as well. It is. Um, it's energizing, especially when you're talking yeah. to a, um, a group of allies, which is what you'd be doing here. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking to a bunch of people who are basically sympathetic, share a lot of your views, share a lot of your experiences, um, it can actually be a very therapeutic thing to do. Um, so it's, it's like therapeutic podcast, for you. Actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> therapeutic for you, but also good for the cause because telling your story is what we need to do. We need people to hear people's stories. That's how we get across the reality oh of it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, I completely disagree, Chris. That's uh, that's a no. Obviously, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's I couldn't disagree more. We have no interest in people's individual no. lived experiences. No, no, that's why we do. We absolutely do. And yeah. people don't. And you don't need to say anything clever. Just say. Just say what. You, oh, what, yeah. what your experience is. Just yeah, say what no. your experience is, because people want to hear this. People want to know about this. Well, we we have over 150 films on our YouTube channel. Final say for all day. Yeah. Of, of, I'm going to say there's ordinary people who get up and tell their story, and they make, they, some of the things that you hear are just to blow you away. Yeah. You just don't expect this person to stand up and say this thing. I've I've I film most yeah. of it, I, and the, several times I will cry behind the camera when somebody's speaking yeah. because it is really it will touch you. It's really moving, and yes this is what we need more people to see because it i think i said this the last time it's very easy to dismiss a number like five million it means nothing to people it's, it's big, almost it's almost too big actually it's, once, yeah, numbers, it's, once numbers get uh, once the numbers get about into the several million you see yeah. this with finance all the time you know you see one story you know you see a story one day that they'll uh the the uh, customs costs will be 15 15 billion a year under no deal Brexit. And you see another one that there's a, that there's a, a UK fund of 150 million pounds for uh, businesses and business organizations to, to, pre to prepare for it. You don't, I mean, you don't really, it's just two big numbers. Yeah, and yet 150 million is absolutely nothing. It's piss all in government finance terms. And 15 billion is really quite massive. Mm. Um, but, but once numbers get once numbers get a certain size, we just don't notice. You're right. But it's dehumanised. I think there's also an assumption that oh, well, they won't let. They'll do something. They will do something so that it's fine. Many people. There's too many people. They'll do something so it doesn't happen. No, they won't because they won't, because no. because the majority of that, those five million. This is another sort of bugbear of mine. Is that they do not have the political clout because most of them can't vote. So they, they are very easily dismissed. And this is this is another reason why we need to 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 um, engage 
far more people in this so that they can be a voice for those who don't have a voice politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And um, the way I think the way to do that, I could be wrong, is not to talk about these big numbers, but to talk about the individuals and their stories. And, and as I said before, put a face on Brexit, make people understand. Put a and face on Yeah. And these, story, these stories aren't about people's political positions. No. You know, these are their views on Brexit. Yeah. These, view, no. these stories are about people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're about, yes, exactly. And. Um, Nikki, let's give you the last word. What, any last messages that you want to give um, before we just finish the segment about the rally this weekend? Um, it would be, please come and join us and and roar because you you can help people to have a voice who don't normally have it just by turning up. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. So do it. Well, you know, it's a big, it's it's a it's a big week. It's a big couple of weeks for us all, isn't it? I mean, Saturday it's going to be a big event, and and it's it's leading into a week of big events. We've got um, the 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 march the following weekend, which will be taking place, of course, a couple of days after the European Council, where you know uh, lots might happen. So next week in Brussels, we've we've got some stuff coming up too, haven't we? Um, in I wanted to just to mention that our friends at Remainer now, yeah, are bringing over a group of people to Brussels next week, which is fantastic. They're going to meet people in the European Parliament, and have a bunch of meetings before the big um, council on 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 Thursday. So I just wanted really to say, gl- I'm really good. I'm sorry. I just want to say that I'm I'm so glad that they're coming that they're coming over in light of what we've been talking about, about Brexit fatigue. Exactly, yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that they're coming yeah, over really with, uh, yeah. with, with, with the message that people have changed their mind about this, you know? So it's such an important message. It's a really important message that they're going to be delivering to EU politicians saying, don't forget these are real people. Uh, this is not the will of the people. Um, real people here are unhappy at what's being done to them in their name. Um, so, you know, don't 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 forget us. Don't, don't hang us out to dry. So it's really important what they're doing. Um, any of our listeners here in Brussels, uh, we're planning, um, I say planning, planning sounds a bit more organized, but the idea is that we're going to have a drink on Wednesday, we're going to have a drink on Wednesday evening, the 16th. Um, and so, uh, at some point, one of us is going to pull their finger out and organize it. And, um, so come along so you can meet the the remainders now. (laughs) Steve, you don't have to organize it. Somebody else will do it. Um, I I, I'm Nikki, Nikki very studiously keeps me away from any actual <laughs> organisational tasks that I need to become so fucking dreadful at. So. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, you know, I'll write press releases and stuff, but nothing that requires any actual fucking competency or organisation. <laughs> and there's also there'll also be an event on the seventeenth. No, uh, there'll also be there's also an event being uh, yes. being organised. By, uh, I thought by Pro exactly. Yes. And Nick, you're um, going to be here. Yes. Yes, I will be. Yeah, final schedule will be at it. Yes, arriving we, on the Wednesday. Excellent. And then back on Friday. Excellent. And we may even have a little beehive. Yes. Excellent. If you can, if you can get get that organised. <laughs> yeah. I won't look at Steve, but if you can get that organised, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks, 
look, look at Steve and he's he looking into the distance, blowing bubbles. <laughs> well, our, our pals at Pro Europa are super good at organising stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they really are. Yeah. yeah. They're really excellent. Yeah. Shout out to Nick Crosby. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Former, friend of the yeah. podcast, former guest. Yeah. And all right, nice guy. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a lovely guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's also, isn't, that, isn't that one of the... Isn't that one of the fantastic silver linings of this whole bloody horrible saga? Oh, yeah. Is that we've, you know, it's been such a great way of meeting people who are genuinely top top people. I mean, it has been it has been amazing. It's, I'll be honest with you, I had enough friends before this started. I didn't really need any more. Oh, I, I needed them. I'm, I'm a massive, I massive I introvert. I, just, I never used to go out at all. And that, yeah, well, I wouldn't say I had a lot. I just think I had about the right number. And now I've got, you know... Too many. Too many. <laughs> so they'll, 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 be, they'll have to be a sort of cull when this... Oh, five million. Well, I'll, I'll be deactivated by account, obviously. It's not true at all. It is an amazing, it is an amazing, amazing silver, silver lining. But I would still rather it hadn't, hadn't happened. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it has... Changed my life um, hugely because I I felt I I do I felt quite isolated in the Netherlands. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. And um, just just talking to people on Twitter, and I felt very isolated after the referendum because I didn't know yeah. I didn't know any British people there, and um, we no were really lo- we, we were really lucky in Brussels about that, in that we had sort of a ready. Yeah. You know, you had a ready-made support network of Britain, yeah. Brussels after the referendum. But I can imagine for people where there wasn't this, uh, you know, big British population. God, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Nikki, but, we, you know, we were talking about identity, weren't we? And I heard a conversation um, somewhere else. It was probably Romaniacs, it always is, isn't it? But there was, there was a conversation somewhere else where they were talking Such about... Um, identity and how Brexit has impacted your sense of identity. But they were doing it from the angle of, does it make you feel less British? Does it make you feel more European? But with me, it's been the opposite. With me, um, I would say that if anything, this entire process has made me feel a lot more British than I did. It's made me feel connected to people in Britain in a way that I haven't for ever, I think. Yeah, you know, because I, I, growing I, up as, 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 you know, in, in the 70s and 80s in, in, in the UK as, as, um, as a half German <laughs> and, and, and as somebody who was very um, a great pro-European activist, you know, we were a tiny little clique of people that nobody, you know, we were very much on our own and, and, until I arrived in Brussels where finally I felt as if I was with my people, you know. But, but what Brexit has done is actually say, no, that actually, do you know what? You didn't need to run away from the UK um, to be with people like you because they're all around you and they were just waiting to be discovered or to <laughs> discover themselves. So, yeah, that's there you go. There's my unicorn chaser. Yeah, the equivalent of that. The equivalent of that for me has been that I've never worried in a sort of uh, existential way about family, about my family and friends in the in the UK before. Before yeah. this, you yes. know, yeah, that you know, I, I moved away and you know, try and get back to see them as much as we can, and it'll always be, you know, basically the same. Um, and then you know, having more or less elderly, sorry, ma'am, didn't mean to call you elderly, but uh, aging parents, <laughs> uh, uh, well, my dad's died, but uh, aging mum and uh, and and stepfather, and uh having young nephews 
and Nisa's. And worry, yeah, and yeah, really worrying about the society they were going to, they're going to grow up in, and what they're going to, and more immediate things like the, you know, the the, the medication that my mum needs, and you know, things like this. I never, I'd never had to worry about stuff like that before, and so it, to some extent, made me care a lot more about what goes on in in uh, in, in in the UK, and it's made it. Mm. It's made it mine. I kind of had a, you know, I kind of had a view before. Well, I don't, you know, I don't live there, so it's not for me to yeah. inter, in, in, interfere with. Which, of course, I think is probably what they want you to think. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, and I just yeah. So so that's been a real that's been a real change. And I, I definitely, I have to say, I definitely feel that I've done less to integrate myself into Belgian society than I was doing. Yeah. before you know that's kind of flatlined well, that'll yeah. come. That'll while, come. while we've been doing all this yes um, come. On. it's on hold yeah. it's yeah it's on hold yeah, yeah. absolutely no, well the business the business that i was running and interacting with inter- interacting with, <laughs> with uh with 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 people here all the time has, has been put on hold apart from anything so um but no i really noticed that you know my um magnus mini moog has just gone to school and I really suddenly felt that I wasn't. Mm. I felt felt how unintegrated un- un- I'd let myself yeah. become here. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd done pretty well in the past, yeah. but I really let I really let that slide. Yeah. And actually, you know, suddenly having school WhatsApp groups in uh, in French and stuff is kind of helping that a bit. But, but that, I mean, that is the modern condition: is that you know um, our uh, um, social groups um, are not necessarily geographical. I mean, that's. I, that's definitely how we've grown up, isn't it? In the last sort of twenty, thirty years. Uh, but mine always, but mine always was because of music. So where you know, wherever I was, you, you found a musical community that was, mm. and the musical community here is, you know, primarily well, it's multinational, but primarily, you know, Belgian first. We'll have to jam together. Whereas uh, my yeah. mine was always video games. So <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. certainly not geographic. No, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Listen. Shall we? Shall we draw? Draw the podcast to a close we had a very interesting long discussion um yet again we're going to skip out on lie of the week because i mean god it's too depressing <laughs> we'll try we've got to try and bring this back maybe we'll maybe maybe at some point maybe sometime after the 31st we can do a sort of bumper compendium of life weeks that we haven't done nikki do you uh, have one off the top of your head put you on the spot can you think of a lie of the week ah oh. God, no. I, no, because I'm completely out of the loop and I don't even know if Boris Johnson is still Prime Minister. <laughs> um, well, I've got one. I've got one. Well, I, I told you I'd do certain tasks by certain times and then didn't. So. This is very true. <laughs> this is very true. So, I did have a conversation with somebody. They said, oh, but Steve was doing that. And I just replied, yeah, but it's Steve. Uh, so, so Steve is the liar <laughs> of the week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it was an yeah. error of omission, Ron. I'm, 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 I'm racking my brains now. Um, I've missed two borders, haven't I? Um, no, like last week, I think. Oh. I can't remember. See, an hour is a long time in politics these days, so... Um, oh, the lie of the week was surely the readout was the totally fake readout of the Merkel yes. phone call. No, yes, that's right. That's, oh. that's what yeah, saying. that's got to yeah. be the lie of the yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where an entire continent went. Merkel. She doesn't talk like that. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> she would never say anything bad. So like, if you're going to lie, try a little bit harder. Because really, do you know who does talk? Do you know who does talk like that? Dominic Cummings. <laughs> Fucking Dominic Cummings talks like that. 
<laughs> it was really you think you put very on, transparent. You put on like a, 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 an hello, hello German accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll just. Oh, well, actually, I'll just leave you with this. So we all try to provide insight into you know the the the. the Euro world and stuff. I'll just tell you a very quick story on that, uh, on quotes and about whether you actually said or not. So, um, when I first joined the commission, I did a press, re- um, I did a, 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 a press release actually on something, and I did it and sent it to my head of unit, and she came back and said, "Where's the quote?" And I said, "What?" And she said, "Well, you always have a quote in the press release. Yeah, blah 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 blah. What it's about, and then you have the commissioner set to commissioner, but you don't have Ferrero Waldner at the time." Does anybody remember her name? I don't think anybody does. Um, I said, do. Uh, oh, yes, you do, Chris, absolutely. Even though you're here in a personal capacity, you absolutely do. Um, <laughs> and um, said, blah, 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 blah. And then you do the background. Then you do, you know, the re- the rest of it. And I said, oh, right, well, well I don't have the quote because I don't know what she said. <laughs> and my boss is like, she doesn't say it. Do you think we actually go over there and say, could you give us a quote? Could you say something? Put this in front of her and say, "Could you? Could, could you ask? Could you say something about this?" And then we transcribe what you said. Did she doesn't actually, she doesn't actually say it. Did this we shatter your world? Did, did this shatter it, your world? It completely shattered my worldview. That when we're saying such and such said, did you know that? From a political release, it's almost certainly a lie. They never actually, they never actually said it. Did you know that politicians, like ministers, don't actually write their own letters to? <laughs> Thank you, Chris. And they don't even they don't even write their own speeches. <laughs> well, I know that because I I know that because she used to read out the speeches I wrote and normally bugger up the gags in them. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki, is, are, yeah. you look you're looking shocked as well. Have, have we totally we rocked your world. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, inside inside information yeah. on how the civil service works. Anyway, so yesterday, a bloke from Barnsley said. <laughs> I'm no expert, but... <laughs> I'm no expert, but... So anyway, sorry, I just wanted to leave you with that. Uh, yeah. you, that you, little yeah. tidbit of mine. Yeah. Yeah, of the, the, the veil, the veil being removed. Yeah. The scales falling from my eyes. Except Donald Trump, he, he does write his own tweets. He's the only <laughs> politician who writes yeah. his own tweets. He is the Donald Trump. Oh, no, no, I know, politicians who, I know politicians who do their own, who entirely do their own Twitter app, so... I know oh, some. Who, I, know, I know some who do. Because he's, because he's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he's. Um... He will be there on Wednesday, won't he? When we go for a drink. Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. No, Donald oh, yeah. Tusk. Donald, Donald Tusk. Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> Easily confused. So when you were oh, saying no, wonderful, you weren't being sarcastic. Yeah. yeah, he'll come out for a drink with us on Wednesday. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll um, send him a text. Okay, yeah. gang. I think we need to wrap up. Um, Nikki just before we go um, I would just like to say thank you very very much to all of those who have been helping organise the organisation of the rally absolutely I won't be able to name them all because I'll forget them and they know who they are the whole the, the, the whole final say for all team Voices for Europe team with a lot of support from Rift in Limbo I'm, I'm going to go horribly wrong Brexpats look at the website all the groups are named um, and yeah. They no, no, fantastic. it has been amazing. And I tell you what, there's a lot more to it than um, than you think, yeah? yeah? Yeah. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So um, also, you know, well done to all the people who've organised rallies in the past. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say that we didn't realise what a fucking massive pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> no, I had, I had a little idea, but it's even more of a... I, if I ever think of doing something like this again, shoot me. Because... <laughs> 
just not worth it. <laughs> your account. That's why I do podcasts, not organised rallies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Great. Nikki. Good luck on Saturday, both of you. Thank, Thank you for you. doing all that you're doing and uh, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thank you very, very much for having me on your fantastic classic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks you. a lot. Good night. And thank you for listening, everybody. Good night.